Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. High Noon continues now on 590 The Fan. Rocking and rolling here on a Thursday edition, high noon on 590 the fan, 590thefan.com. Rammer in the house. I apologize to you guys. You never and, need to apologize. And uh, I'm sure the fans were thankful that they got 45 minutes. Stop. Of, anyway, yeah, still working on my knee. We'll figure it out. But I, I'm back. But most importantly, you you made a nice play at third base in your ball game last night. Well, I highlight reel. No. I just saying it was fun playing with my Bud Light guys. And you got Laz Diaz. And he's a terrific person. <laughs> I would never complain. I'm going to say it right now. You because, got cheated out of your loan at bat last but, night on a 3-2 you know pitch that was a foot outside. You know what? You don't go to the grandkids and say, hey, I walked. <laughs> no. You never played a walk. Go hack. That's right. And then when I hacked, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's fun. Bud, the Bud Light guys are a great, great bunch, great bunch of guys to play ball with. Really fun. So anyway, um, so I can move around, but the knee is not where it's supposed to be. Doesn't that just so we'll drive figure you crazy? We'll figure it out. You're going. I to. may be in the New England Journal of Medicine by the time they figure this. Are thing you out. the guinea pig? Gonna... I, oh, no doubt. <laughs> They're going to try also. Have you ever done stem cell? Is I've that, never done that. Never done that? I've done PRP, but never uh, never stem cell. Hmm. Well, it's good to have you in with Thank us. Thank you. Um, okay, I kind of teased as we went to break. I, I didn't uh, get to it yesterday, but this is a pretty massive development that Dave Portnoy has bought back Barstool Sports from Penn Entertainment for a total of a dollar. That's correct, a dollar. So I wish I'd have been in on that. Could I, I'd have bid two. Ho, ho, ho. Considering what Portnoy initially sold uh, f- to uh, Penn for, $551 million is what Penn paid to acquire Barstool initially. According to reports, Penn Entertainment says it will record a loss of up to $850 million on the deal, which is just, I mean, mm. that's hard to fathom, mm. right? Eight hundred and fifty million dollars on the deal. 
Pursuant to the Barstool SPA, Penn sold 100% of the outstanding shares of Barstool to David Portnoy in exchange for a nominal cash consideration, $1, and certain non-compete and other restrictive covenants, the company wrote in its quarterly report on Wednesday. According to a securities filing, Portnoy acquired the sports media brand he founded for just $1. So there are other pieces to the deal, which makes it interesting. But Penn says that it expects uh, a to record a loss between eight hundred and eight hundred and fifty million dollars in the hmm. deal. In addition, Penn says it sold Barstool back to Portnoy in exchange for certain non-compete and other restrictive covenants, and the right quote to receive fifty percent of the gross proceeds received by David Portnoy in any subsequent sale or other monetization event of bar uh, of barstool. Now Portnoy came out and said he had an emergency press conference, which he does frequently. It's kind of his shtick, so to speak. Emergency press conference. He's got an emergency press conference. And he proclaimed that he would never relinquish the rights to Barstool ever again. So it, it, was he kind of making a uh, quality control statement that it, it didn't go the way I wanted and I'm going to control it because I know what the product is? Bingo. Yeah. He felt like with bringing in a company like Penn, well, I get why he initially did it. I mean, if you're going to make $551 on essentially it was a blog that he started and it took off, if you're going to get an offer for $550 million, I mean, that is generational wealth. You got to take the money. Now, he still, I believe, kept a minority stake in the company and still had some influence, but it became very clear that the Barstool brand was going to go through uh, a, a different um, a different filter, so to speak, because Penn had a lot of oversight and an HR department that didn't necessarily align with some of what Barstool content inherently brings. Now, you, huh. well, you HR. Can, right. Hmm. Which... Having worked hmm. in companies with HR, hmm. if I never have to sit in another meeting with an HR person in my life, I will be considered myself uh, the luckiest man on earth. I have disdain for HR people. Well, if you get good ones, when I was uh, up the street at 101, our HR person was off the charts fantastic. Really, really a cool lady who would do whatever you needed, whether you're talking about your medical insurance or just just whatever you need to do. She was great. But I've been other places where um, uh, maybe the way you uh, comport yourself in an office situation with other people and the way you interact could, could perhaps come into question, it can get pretty ugly. What do you have against HR David Solomon? What was the deal? I think that's self-explanatory. <laughs> I would say we have a decent HR manager in David Solomon. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, because you guys know you can bribe him with junk food. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Whatever it takes. <laughs> in fact, not even my own junk food. I I literally just told him when I walked out of the production studio during the break, I said, David, have a, have a donut that Bonnie brought in. Yeah. Oh, there you who's go. Who's been interning with Frank on the uh, press box. And he goes, I already had one. Thank you. I said, well, at least know that I offered you a donut that's right. that we're not mine to offer to begin with. That's right. Um, but also, in a big office situation, I think it's better to keep your head down and keep your mouth shut. 
Otherwise, the politically correct HR goons will find you. Keep your head down, do your job, keep your mouth shut. Does it make work fun? Nope. But if you want the job or you need it until you get a better one, that's my advice. Yeah, literally, by saying nothing is actually, you say a lot by saying nothing, but saying nothing oftentimes keeps you from being implicated in something that will be addressed by Karen, the HR gal, who looks like she hasn't skipped a meal in 500 years. Does seem to be a theme, in my opinion, that HR managers like to eat. Have you done a study, or is this just pers- anecdotal? It's anecdotal, anecdotal. absolutely. Okay. Which in my in my life, that is that warrants authenticity. That absolutely, I stamp it as approved. Okay, I'm with you by, on that. Part. <laughs> no, but I mean, really, like, and and when you're dealing, here's the tricky part. You know, Penn really it was it was about the the gambling aspect of this that they truly wanted to monetize and the fact that they've now all of a sudden divested from Barstool and they 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 reached an exclusive partnership deal with ESPN to trademark and create ESPN Bet for a 10-year agreement i think that with all of the different regulations surrounding gaming they had to be extra cautious of personnel and certain things that were going on inside their company because when the government gets involved, then they can clearly sort of be really difficult to deal with with all the red tape and regulations, and they're not going to make your life easy if you're not going to have the most PC go-along and uh, kumbaya way type of uh, behavior from your organization. And there were pu- very public feuds uh, when when Penn took over Barstool. They fired multiple people inside the organization that, you know, got in the crosshairs of saying something that maybe wasn't politically correct or having something arise in the office of staring at somebody the wrong way, which, God forbid, you do that, and, you know, we're going to need to have a little chat. Why don't you bring your resume, you know? Or what do they say in Hard Knocks? Hey, uh, the coach needs to meet with you. Why don't you bring Bring your your playbook? That means you better get ready to start looking elsewhere. See if you can get out of your lease. And I think it drove, you know, the brand into something that a lot of people who attached themselves with Barstool found themselves going... Wow, Portnoy is such a sellout. He took the big-time million-dollar payday, but in trade, he gave up what made Barstool the platform which seemed to be the outspoken, the antagonist, the crude, the, the, the fraternity-type atmosphere that everyone sort of attached with. But we're not blaming him for taking the money. No, 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 no. no, no. no. That's, that's his right and... He created it and sold it. That's just the way it goes. But once you sell something to someone else and you're not in charge, it's not your baby anymore. That's why he's glad he's got it back. And that's why when you lose editorial rights, Mm -hmm. that is a game changer. And that's why it's kind of crazy to me. Remember the whole Brian Williams fiasco on uh, when he did Nightly? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. News? Yeah. Well, Brian Williams uh, had... He had an executive producer title. He was in charge of all... He had final say on all editorial content, which is very rare. If you were to dissect um, prominent media figures' contracts... There are only probably a handful in the entire nation that possess entire editorial control over what they put on their show. Historically, though, the nightly news guy, regardless of the network, Mm -hmm. usually has at least the title and often control. On you know, we're talking uh, three. That's three jobs in the whole industry, but those are the top of the heap jobs. You know, Dan Rather. Forever, Cronkite before him, and Brian Williams, as you point out, didn't go so well for him. Well, and it didn't go so well for him because He's maybe a liar. if he wasn't in charge of final say on editorial, the pushback from the executive producer may have been, "Well, Brian, you really weren't in the airplane that you claimed you were in, being shot at, uh, making your way overseas. So maybe we should leave that out of the broadcast, and maybe he'd still be doing the nightly news for NBC. That's not the case. He decided to lie on on television." And he ended up, you know, being kind of the butt of the joke until MSNBC he and, he found and a Matt home. Lauer on an island somewhere with Kennedy and Elvis. No, they brought, they loved him so much they they figured he was perfect fit for MSNBC. Brian Williams literally got a. Oh, is he back? Is he on there? Yeah, has he been all along? He, he recently retired, I believe. Oh. but they gave him a show. He did a show called the Eleventh Hour, I think, for three or four years. Huh. His journalistic standards fit that network perfectly. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't it? That a convicted liar would hmm. fit their cable network. That's I guess we shouldn't be shocked, should no, we? I'm not shocked. Okay. But uh when it comes to, to Portnoy, uh I think there are a lot of people who maybe ventured away from the Barstool brand because of what some of the uh the the new leadership brought in. And you can already tell, even in just videos over the last 24, 36 hours that Portnoy has released, that it appears like Barstool is returning to the brand that was a firestorm that caught all sorts of attention when it was really on fire. I've always been a casual observer of Barstool. You're a hardcore guy. I don't know if I'd say hardcore. Okay. Certainly more involved as a consumer than I have been over the years. Did you see a difference? Oh, yeah. It was a clear difference. Yeah. Not necessarily bad, but not as good, not as uh, in your face, not as uh, uh, blatantly honest. And just you could tell everything they did while it was still maybe raunchy or it had an an edge to it, Mm -hmm. it was filtered. And there's a clear cut you could just tell. And, And. Many of us, you and I in particular, and I believe Cole too, we prefer it unfiltered. Yeah, yeah and it's very obvious when it is being filtered. Yeah. I think, like, if you can do it in a way in which it's filtered and no one really recognizes, which is hard to do, there's probably not going to be a whole bunch of pushback. But if you get into a situation where your brand is is now changed and it's obvious to the consumer, I think that's not a great look in particular for a brand that was as out there as Barstool. Yeah. 
So when you compare this now to how ESPN has acquired, or I guess Penn has acquired in a partnership deal with ESPN to trademark and create ESPN Bet, I think the challenge for ESPN is going to be several things. First of all, they're a little late to the ball game. I mean, the market share is heavily, heavily, heavily dominated by FanDuel, DraftKings, and they have created, you know, DraftKings has already gotten into the gaming industry. For example, if you go down to the Casino Queen, that is all DraftKings uh, branded, and they, you know, have a partnership with the Casino Queen to have the sports book in the actual casino. FanDuel has created a massive network, FanDuel yep. TV. Uh, they have they have put a massive investment in on horse racing. You know, you go to most bars right now, sports bars, and there there's literally horse racing that you can bet on 24-7 because it's in every country pretty much going. So even when, uh, you know, you're there at 11 o'clock, well, shoot, they'll have races on in Australia, and you just log on to the FanDuel app, and boom, you can watch it and bet on it right there while you're sipping down a domestic it's beer. That's amazing to me. Might be bad for society, but the the ease at which you're able to do it is pretty remarkable. So you, you understand the gaming world. Had ESPN come to you and said, what do you think? Would you say, nah, stay out of it. Do what you do. Or would you have said, well, you got to do something to save the brand. What would your advice have been to ESPN? I suppose I would say go in because I think your current model is a disaster. Not working. It's not working. Uh, that's evident by all of the massive layoffs, the huge names with making boatloads, millions of dollars of cash that have been laid off in multiple rounds this year alone. And uh, I think the ESPN model is broken, and it's a radical shift in what they're trying to do. I mean, look no further than them bringing in Pat McAfee. You know, Pat McAfee is more of the barstool-type commentary than anything that you'll watch on ESPN. And ESPN decided to go full in on uh, social justice and sort of the quote-unquote woke-branded media that I think led to a lot of people looking for different outlets to consume their sports material. And I, I firmly believe, and I've brought up the numbers to back this up, but just look at the growth of a company like OutKick, which is owned by Clay Travis, yep. and where that's gone, now owned by the Fox Corporation – and is similar to what uh, Penn did with Portnoy. I mean, OutKick was just a blog that Clay Travis started, and all they did was push back on some of the ESPN brand and, and their ridiculous takes, and OutKick has grown exponentially to the point where it got bought out for who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars by Fox. Do a, do a quick, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, a bar stool versus OutKick compare and contrast. Are they too big, too different of animals? Well, okay, so I would both I would say they've both gone under the umbrella of uh, sports, entertainment, gambling, and just kind of like culture lifestyle yeah. type of stuff. Sports and culture. I would say that that barstool has a little more raunchy edge to it. It's more college, okay? Now the people, the big personalities on barstool are like adults. But it's more like college humor, college type of bro dude attitude type stuff. So We're, guys like me that just refuse to grow up. A little bit. Yeah, but I, I but wonder really if you would enjoy... get the lingo instead of me pretending. 
They they talk a lot about sex and well, that's college too. Yeah, like Outkick is more political, more networky. I get like they they kind of talk about network feuds and media. They almost like cover, they cover the, the media. media. They do in a way that Barstool doesn't really do. No, Barstool's not going to put up a clip of uh, of an ESPN host having a meltdown over George Floyd. Like that's not going to be what they do. Outkick will go immediately after that and then dig up history on said host or anchor, uh. and they will showcase the hypocrisy. Um, and so it's a little bit different branding. The only time that Outkick really kind of gets into that bro dude sort of attitude is when they're talking about college football, but that's yeah. just like that, but that's particularly because it pertains to college football. Well, so they, all- they do get a little bit TMZ-ish, like, oh, did you see, look at Aaron Murray's new girlfriend or something like that. Yes. So they'll, they'll do a little bit of TMZ-style stuff. but So in the little bit I've dipped my toe into that social media information entertainment stuff, I understand why I gravitate more to Outkick than Barstool. Yeah. It makes more sense now that I know that's kind of their – demographic and I, plan. Th- they are. I mean, they're definitely going after probably a little bit more mature audience that has a bit more of a worldview outside of kind of grab-ass stuff yeah. that Barstool plays on yeah. constantly. Well, so, so, Trav- so Travis is, who do you talk to? You talk to your peers, and that's kind of what he's doing. Yeah. He's talking to his peers in a lingo that his peers would use if it really were a give and take. Yeah, they definitely do have a, a renegade sort of energy. And I guess both of them do. It's just different styles of the renegade energy. Mm-hmm. So I'll be intrigued to see if ESPN Bet is able to uh, acquire you know, massive amounts of subscriptions for people. This is what I think is difficult. One, you know, if you're comfortable using the current app that you choose – if you're in a state that has legalized betting, someday Missouri will get on board, but who knows when that will be. Uh, but let's say you're in Illinois. You know, Are you really going to change from using FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever your preferred you're place a ga- is? You're a gambler. What would they have to do to win you over? Promos. How could they get you? Better lines. And but better. How is it better? Well, it's more you don't pay as much juice. Ah, okay, gotcha. So, gotcha. You so. know, typically in Vegas, like you're not, you'll see lines that are pr- predominantly, let's say it's just an even game, the money line's going to be minus 110. Well, there are some places, you know, you, you'll be able to find it for maybe, pl- you know, plus 100, even money, or minus 104. So you're saving. So Six how, cents on the dollar. So it's just shopping for the best deal. That's yeah. what they'll need to do on, to get on, you to come over. That it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It, it would take a pretty significant. Um, change in the line i think to see that number grow to the point where it would actually be a drastic uh impact on how many people would then use espn bet i think a lot of people would get it just because i think they want to have as many sports books as possible so when they do see a game 
oh, oh, I really think the Lions are going to win this weekend or something. Let me go. Let me go check every single sports book and see which one has the best odds. Like maybe maybe ESPN is giving you plus four and a half, and everybody else is giving you plus four. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So, so I got another question for you too. And this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go all. Um, bar stool and outkick on you and right. pull up, I'm going to try and pull all this together with a story that I heard talked about today and sort of where are we at attitudinally with gambling you and I had a debate yesterday about NFL players and what they can and can't do and the rules are too confused all those kind of things so first question is gambling good Good for society? Just no. good. No. Just, you, you interpret it any way you want. No. No. Okay. So then it's okay. People are, I don't I don't think outrage is the right word, but oh my goodness, did you see how much Phil Mickelson has bet, you know, and, and on and on and just horrified, yet they're going to go bet on some random baseball game that day. Right. So I'm trying to figure out, the, is it hypocrisy or... Um, are are the ones who are off- offended and outraged by Phil Mickelson's behavior? Are they going to you know? Are we going to start saying we must cancel legalized betting? Where where are we here? It seems like if betting's okay, and obviously these big companies are paying hundreds of millions of dollars to be involved, so at least a major segment. Of our society, by our, I mean the three of us, the sports world, mm-hmm. we have to think it's okay at some level because we participate. But here's the difference. Well, finish, finish. But, I don't want to cut Because you. we participate. So then how can we be getting the vapors because Phil Mickelson bet a billion dollars? If it's okay for us to bet on a horse race at Santa Anita, why can't he bet on whatever he wants? And, oh, okay, that's cool. But you see what I mean? It's like, oh, did you see yeah. Phil Mickelson? Can you believe it? And I'm just trying to – to me, that's a disconnect. Well, I will say the number at which Phil Mickelson so lost money. It's his money. I know. It's just hard. I think when you hear that a guy has lost upwards of, what was it, like $50 million or something like that, gambling? I think it was 40 but same point. It's just – I think that's a hard number for most people to grasp. First of all, they can never even imagine making a million dollars, you know, in in one year, you know, maybe in their lifetime. I don't know. I mean, people, that's a huge number. So when they hear 40 plus million dollars being lost, I think it's just so shocking. But where I would say that the, the key difference for me is, is that while I can sit here and acknowledge that gambling probably isn't great for a society, that doesn't necessarily mean that I believe it should be illegal. So I don't necessarily... But you're not outraged or offended or you don't get the vapors when you hear about the Mickelson number. I don't know how many people get offended other than the people who are reading the teleprompter who are trying to... foisted on you to be offended yes look at this number yes it's, this should you should be outraged by this why should i be outraged by that he's, he's it's a, phil mickelson's money he's got hundreds of millions of dollars and he bets a bunch of it so yeah i mean is it okay is it sad to hear that a guy loses that much money i, I don't mean, care i don't care well we don't know how much he lost well I mean, we, the 40 million but i mean you bet a billion dollars you could 
win 400-something million, lose 500-something million. And so, oh, he's betting a billion dollars. Well, maybe he only lost a couple million out of that billion. Well, if he only lost 40, he must have done pretty well. Yeah, if you're betting a billion, billion? that's not be- – that, that means that you probably but- – you won $480 million worth of bets, but you lost $520 million worth of bets. When a poor schmo ends up on Skid Row because he gambled his money away, I'm empathetic, but do I really feel bad? Um, choices we make that have uh, an element of blowback, and you choose to do it anyway, and we all do it. To you know, you cross the street. You've chosen to do something a little bit more dangerous than not crossing the street. Mm-hmm. And whether it's gambling or smoking or riding a motorcycle without a helmet, riding a motorcycle, period, riding a bicycle on public streets, all of us have a line that we'll go to of I'll accept the risk. And then if you get, if it blows up on you, I don't want to see anybody hurt or damaged or whatever, but that's that's that was part of the that was part of the gamble you made, right? Yeah, and I don't think everybody else should have to suffer your consequences. So people who are able to gamble responsibly, I don't think should be outlawed because one person couldn't. Right. And so right. and so we all get upset. Oh my goodness, Phil Mickelson, oh, that's crazy. Well, other people are just sitting on their couch betting Ten dollars on the Marlins and the Reds, and can't afford it. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> all relative for the yeah. for the people who can afford it. So what? should should they be punished by the people who can't? Mm-mm. I mean, look, if I, I don't see how it's any different than spending your money on any other stupid stuff. Like you could go to Walgreens right now and just be an overspender on twenty thousand dollars candy of, and soda. Yeah, worth of anything. <laughs> And so, so what's the difference yeah. between spending $20,000 on that and, and what is Walgreens going to say, no, you're not allowed to do that? No, you can. You know, I don't gamble, but it's not because of some moral position. Mm-hmm. I don't like the action. I've tried before. It ruins it. For most people, it enhances the involvement, whether they're watching on TV or just whatever. But for me, it, it, I get sick to my stuff. I don't like it. I don't like the action. So it's just not for me. But you want to do it, go ahead. Well, I would say that everyone enjoys it while there's still a chance of you being able to win. And then as soon as the zeros hit the clock and you've lost, you get the same sick sense in your stomach that anyone else gets from any sort of loss. <laughs> and that is, a, that is a feeling that never grows old. I don't care if it's a dollar bet or two grand. I mean, losing is not fun. But for the guys who really gamble, yeah, they feel bad. But the way that the adrenaline rush they had during the event is worth it to them, and then they keep going back to the go back to the bookie. Yeah, I used to bet a ton in college, and I'll tell you this: I would have been the greatest radio host ever because I could name you every single player, every single everything. I, I could name you the Mariners lineup one through nine back when I was gambling. I, I knew everything that was going on. You have to, and so the, the, to the, as far as this job goes, there were some benefits to it. Sure, but. I you start rooting against your own teams and that that isn't fun. No. But and it, it is does kind of take away from the the wholesome aspect of sports and having a favorite team and the camaraderie cuz now you're just chasing money and you're just rooting for yourself which you know that's 
in the moment, you're like, hell yeah. I mean, I want to win the money, but you start rooting against your own teams and you start to <laughs> you start to care less about your own teams. And then in, that, that does take away from the passion of sports a little bit. And then it, it all becomes a transaction. Then it becomes what college sports is turning into. And then it's like, well, the, the, the deeper meaning that this once had, it kind of got sucked out of it. And now it's all about money. I understand why, but... That that does kind of hurt. I just think that sports programming in general is seeing where sports interest is going, and the trend has been on a lot of people picking up sports gambling. And I think sports gambling, even before it's been legalized in states, has been a you know huge thing that people get into. And uh, now they're recognizing that there is money to be made in trying to uh, deliver information. There's money to be made in subscription packages where people want that information. And then if you look at it where like Penn and, and ESPN Bet are now looking at it as, well, our brand is literally dying. We are losing money hand over fist and unless we try to get on board with where the sports culture has shifted their interests, we're going to still be here sitting talking about uh, can Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl. And people, I think, are just becoming sort of dull on that type of material. Just doesn't add, there's, there's too much of it to begin with. And then also, who wants to sit there and rehash an argument that is all built on hypotheticals to begin with? No one. Does anyone truly care what the guy sitting on the ESPN anchor desk thinks about will the Packers win a game? That's less of an indictment. Or the 590 midday desk. Or the 590 midday desk, (laughs) sure. That's less of an indictment on the sports world as much as it is on ESPN and FS1 for just repeated programming over and over and over again and uninteresting topics. So what about this theory? And it's only a theory and probably half-baked, but – do these organizations that are getting more and more involved, can it actually be growing their sport where hardcore fans are already there and probably betting? Maybe they weren't. I'm a hardcore fan, but I wouldn't bet. You know what I'm saying. But it feels like more and more casual fans get more into whatever they're betting on in that sport. So is, could, can we call that an example of growing the sport? Potentially. I mean, you said that you wouldn't watch the NFL if you couldn't bet on it. True. So it grew to you, at least. And I'm always shocked at the number of, uh, you know, even college kids that have no money, having been there myself, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're willing to risk, you know, $200 every Sunday on games that they know they're likely to lose that money on. But the lure of, of the opportunity to win money... And the lure of trusting someone enough with their gambling advice to feel like, wow, this guy's a winner, and signing up for their subscription package or their material, I think that that idea is so, um, you become so addicted to it that it's there, whether it's hmm. good or not. I, I'm not it here exists. to play the, be the moral police. What I'm saying is that yeah. these operations are seeing a trend, and they are doing everything they can to jump in the pool because the pool that once existed for a brand that, you know, that was the go-to place where you got all the information and scores and highlights and all that, you can now get that everywhere. 
So that field has become so watered down that they are no longer a go-to spot to see who won a game last night and who pitched the best or who had the farthest touchdown run catching. Exactly. It's no, it's no longer interesting to people. Nope. So it, it, for a while, it, it got into the back and forth. You know, that's why you saw almost every single ESPN show where you had two people pitted against one another and a host there to sit there and debate the whole thing. And I even think that that model is becoming outdated. And it, it's now we're seeing a shift. Uh, Fox really gravitated towards it first with Fox Bet, and now ESPN is moving in that lane with ESPN Bet. But I think both of those networks are still grossly behind what FanDuel and DraftKings have already brought to the table, which is A, an app which is extremely uh, user-friendly, uh, and it's very easy to sit there on your couch and uh, one of the elements that a lot of young people enjoy betting more than just the winner of the game are prop bets. You know, will yes. Aaron Rodgers throw two touchdowns in the season opener against the Browns on or against uh, the uh, who are they playing the Browns? The Ra- I forget who. Whoever on on Monday Night Football when they open the season, will will Aaron Rodgers throw two and a half touchdown passes? And those are the types of insights that I think people really think that they can get an advantage on. And if you look at uh, pricing in the betting markets on those prop bets, they know that they are liable on those because you pay significant juice on some of those more so than just a straight-up winner of the game. I mean, the algorithms in some of these leagues have gotten so good where it's basically even money on the point spread or the run line or whatever the the different line is in terms of the the model being able able to project the outcome of the game, where they are definitely liable, and um, uh, I think people have been able to take advantage in some cases are on these prop bets. You know, will you find a guy? Uh, maybe there's a player tonight in the lineup that's had tremendous success against uh, Mr. Littell, who's pitching for the Rays. And you go and look. Well, Goldschmidt's hitting 500 in his career against Littell. I'm going to go put a, a, a prop bet on Goldschmidt over two and a half hits. And oh, by the way, I'm going to parlay that prop bet with like two other prop bets. And so then you get into what a lot of these kids are doing. Now, a lot of people say parlays are for the house bets, and they're losing money on it. But think about it. If you're risking $10 on a six-player parlay that's going to pay out maybe upwards of $1,000, shoot, you can lose all month long, and you hit one, and boom, not only have you made your original investment back, but you're up $600. And I see more and more people investing in that type of market, and that is – that's something that has made it tough, I think, for bookies, which were and still are illegal, but it's been hard for them to sort of replicate the access that people can get on these apps via FanDuel and DraftKings. And I haven't necessarily checked out the Penn app. I, I do think that the Barstool Sports betting app was similar to that, but I don't think that they had the wide array of prop bets that are readily available on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. So again, that's all about development and app creation and you know understanding algorithms and all that. I mean, that that's those are tech software people that are building these models, which is crazy because it has nothing to do with sports. The one thing in my perfect world that I wish were the case would be that there would be no VIG and that it would be a true 50-50 between you and the casino. 
but obviously that's not going to be the case. Because And like, it's not totally unfair. They're offering you a certain price, and if you take it, you don't really have much of a leg to stand on if you say, oh, that's not fair. That's not fair that you're guaranteeing that you win every single game because of the VIG. It's like, well, then, then why are you betting on it if you have such a problem with it? But that is the thing where you can go above 50% because the lines are set basically to be 50-50, and you can go 51% and still be losing, losing. to them. 56% is what you have to pay if you're paying the house juice in order to win money. So that, that's 50, over 50%. Over it's, 50%. It's 52.38 or 39. To break even. Yes. The best of the best, if you want to see an unbelievable 60 minutes, uh, this was before 60 minutes went right in the hellhole, but 60 <laughs> minutes had Billy Walters on. Laura Logan did a piece with Billy Walters, who's now, I think, in jail uh, for insider trading. But Billy Walters was able to manipulate the line so much where he'd bet on something and he'd get a half a point somewhere and he'd go back and buy his original investment and then double down on that because really? he wanted to see the line move. Yep. So, unbelievable segment. It's like 10 or 15 minutes, but it is well worth your time. And when you see his operation and how he looked at sports gambling, this guy probably couldn't even name you every player on the roster. He wasn't even I wouldn't even say he was a sports fan. He was a math magician. That's how it works. He was just a numbers guru. And uh, when you see that he was only hitting like 57% of his bets with all of the tools he had available, you should recognize that you are at a disadvantage uh, going into this thing. So, like anything, if you can sort of have fun doing it while not like losing your ass off and having them come take the keys to your house and all your different assets, by all means, you go do whatever you want, but... I do get a little worried when I see this uh, huge, huge movement towards the gambling gambling side of things and the addiction that it's creating. I can't say that it's good, but I also don't believe then in the government banning it. So I don't know. It's crazy stuff. What I do know is I'd like to be Dave Portnoy, who not only initially sold his business for $550 million, but then to come back and reacquire that same business for a dollar <laughs> I mean, smart. you've played your cards quite well, my friend. So, to, to anyone being interested in sports betting, I would say bet on football because it's in basically a four or five month window and it's a couple times a week. Okay, so it's not going to be your everyday baseball. It's not going to be your everyday basketball. And so you can kind of regulate it a little bit and not just overindulge and just kind of focus on a couple yeah, you can. Of the week. You also get into a tailspin where you're chasing money, and uh, you'll well, start thinking, "Well, I lost I my money." People not the bet, period. But do you know how many people try to win all their money back on Sunday night football? They lost on college. They lost on the early games in I'll the get NFL. It back I'm going to double down on Sunday night football, and then come Monday morning, they are broke and they're getting a text saying you're down two grand. I Oof. mean, that Oof. those are rough days, folks. Oof. Those are rough days, and I uh, can speak from experience. That is not fun. So you have to be careful, but uh, Dave Portnoy. And here's the other, I'll just close on this. This is why I think it is so cool to see independent media folks completely rewrite the script on these executives and people who have been in network television for a long time and the Bob Igers of the world who are back at Disney and they're trying to throw you know, a parachute to all these companies that are looking around going, uh-oh, we continue to lose subscribers. We continue to lose all of our... We're losing, 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 we losing. Wore, we, wore, we all wore masks. How are we losing? What do we do? 
What? Why can't we? We, we are. We're in a. This is groupthink echo chamber. Why isn't it working? Why don't people like our brand? Keep doing it. And then a guy like Dave Portnoy, who simply started a blog, made 550 mil, and he bought back a brand that I think has more loyalty built into it than ESPN does for a dollar. That is unbelievable to me. And maybe if these suits ever got their head out of their ass and started putting people who could actually think for themselves and not what ESG or these other bogus uh, entities uh, label them as, then maybe they might be actually capable of growing their business. But in the meantime, uh, I mean, look at the Bud Light. I mean, for God's sakes, Anheuser-Busch just had to sell off like seven or eight different assets under their uh, beer umbrella. Breckenridge, Alaskan Beer, they just sold off like seven or eight major brands because they're making up for the losses that they had going with Dylan Mulvaney and that, uh, the Trans Bud Light can. And it's just like, you know, stop, stop doing this to yourself. Right. It is capable. You are capable of just going back to like, you know, running a sports operation or running a beer company. Just sell your beer. The and way they, you've always sold it. They still cannot figure out why they lose money hand over fist, and it's because of the content that they put out there that nobody gives a flying hoot about. It's crazy to me. But leave it to Disney to continue to go about their ways as they fall into bankruptcy at ESPN. All right, it's one Uh We'll take a break, and we will be back with more. It is High Noon on 590 The Fan. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.